Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 45 of Material Issues. I'm Mark Hirschberger of Pop Detective Records. Joining me as always, my very good friend from the West Coast and president of International Pop Overthrow Festival, Mr. David Bash. David, how are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, yes. Thank you so much, as always. Uh, looking forward to this. Yes, also looking, looking forward to IPO Phoenix on Saturday. Um, Rena and I are going to drive in and uh, drive in on Friday. And yeah, the show on Saturday goes all day. Nice. And quite a variety of bands. We have, you know, young bands supplied by the Scottsdale School of Rock. We, you know, we've got veterans of the scene. We've got all kinds of different styles from, hey, George, good evening, from rockabilly pop to power pop to, to indie rock to surf, we, we have a surf pop band. It's all good. It's all going to be great. And where's, where's this being held at? Hello, chaps. I'm not sure who's saying hello, chaps, but hello. Where's, uh, where's IPO Phoenix? Where's the venue? It's called Cactus Jacks. Cactus uh, Jacks, okay. It's one that we've used since 2014. And oh, very uh, good. the owner, Gina Lombardi, she's a really great lady. And uh, the club's cool. It's uh, It really is a, cla it's a classy joint, I have nice. to say. So, so anybody yeah. in the Phoenix area, Saturday, all day, Cactus Jacks, IPO Phoenix. Make yep. sure you go out and, and support all these great young bands. Um, and International Pop Overthrow, it's back. It's back. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, then IPO Chicago comes up in about three weeks. Right. And of course, Liverpool in May. Liverpool in May. A lot of things going on, my friend. And uh, let's uh, let's hope and pray things stay on an upward track. Uh, oh, I think they will. I um, think so, too. Bands are looking at they're looking forward to getting back out and, and rocking. And everybody wants to get out and, and see these bands and have a great time. So, you know. Um, best for it all. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hoping for on Saturday because the the four IPOs we did last year were well attended, and right. uh, you could tell people were really looking forward to seeing live music. Nice. <clears throat> so yeah, it'll it's all good, and I've been writing. I I had a bash on pop column last week, and I just had a, a poporama column on rockandrollglobe.com right. published today. Uh, I've been getting a lot of good stuff this year. I, I have to say, I mean, yeah, we're we're three months in, and this year is off to a great start with new music by, you know, by uh, it, it, you know DIY bands mostly. Um, yeah, the you know the usual kind of uh, IPO style bands, and it's tons of great stuff. And um, yeah, the only thing so far with reissues. There haven't really been any big box sets yet, uh, which is kind of odd. I'm sure there will be. Uh, actually, there's going to be an Al Stewart box that's going to have like, I don't know, 90 discs or something really crazy like that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like every live show he's ever done, he ever did. <laughs> um, so that's supposed to come out during the fall. I mean, the, the uh, late spring. And there's right. going to be a lot of stuff, I'm sure, I'm, uh, of which I'm unaware at the moment, but. You know, it'll it'll reveal itself uh, little by little as the year goes on. And um, 
Mark, I'll tell you, with that face, if, if I could, I would reach out and slap you right now. <laughs> hey, keep, hey. Material, keep material issues out your fucking mouth. <laughs> I don't know. It's not very topical. You know, stop it with these non-topical jokes. I know, really. Yeah. It's, it's, too, it's way too obscure a reference. Way too obscure right? a reference. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't think people are going to understand. But I'll tell you what they will understand. They're yep. going to understand why we really wanted this gentleman, who's our guest, uh, to appear on Material Issues. Of course, you know, everybody out there in the pop music world knows that this gentleman was a drummer for Wings. Well, first on McCartney, Paul and Linda's Ram, and then on Wildlife and Red Rose Speedway. He also played on Billy Joel's Cold Spring Harbor, which which I have to ask about because, you know, of all the albums that somebody had played on, they played on his first and the, the, when he was still, you know, when nobody really knew who he was, yet that's right. such a good album. Um, you know, he also played on a few soundtracks. Um, he's got a jazz band right now. Jazz was really his forte, but he'll, he'll, you know, no doubt he'll never be known mo more for anything other than being, you know, being with Sir Paul on those three albums. And you know, his drumming is great. Uh, he's influenced a hell of a lot of drummers. Like, I mean, I you could you could throw a rock into Facebook land and hit about a hundred of them. Uh, <laughs> who are my Who are my Facebook friends? Yeah. We'll say that uh, that this gentleman influenced them. And we're really glad that he's here. So without further ado, would you please give a huge material issues welcome to Mr. Denny Sywell. And there he is, Mr. Sywell. Good evening. Good evening. It's afternoon here, but good evening. Good, good, <laughs> good yeah, I'm on the East Coast. Good, good afternoon to you. Before we do anything, I just have to mention or ask, Lee Heighton, Pennsylvania. That's right. I grew up. I grew up in Kutztown. Spent all my youth in Allentown, and That's uh, what good is, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throw me down the steps once my sweater. <laughs> yeah, just the screen door so the flies can come better in once. <laughs> once, <laughs> and as we say, maybe even twice. <laughs> oh, that's but wonderful. They, they cook the kill. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, it's yeah, really it's something. Because some of my best, uh, so, some of my best friends as in my youth were actually from Lee Heighton. Uh, I, I had a best friend's dad who was a pastor in a church there, and you know I know the area very well. So um, when I was reviewing and doing some things about like you know, let me just vote up on some Denny Sidewell information. I was like, that's right, he's from Lee Heighton. And um, yep. that's all right. This this is going to make me appear to be an ignoramus, but I have to ask anyway. Is Lehigh University there? No. Well, that's no. close. It's uh, Lehigh close. University is close to Allentown. We're like twenty six miles north of Allentown. Okay, so it's not coincidence then that it was there. The, the origin of the town and the university, the name name. I don't have, I don't think it has anything to do with the university or the town. No. No. No, just coincidence. No. Okay. It's just coincidence. But there yeah, was, I uh, Norton Hutton uh, in the in the eighteen hundreds, I think it was. Uh, there was a, a a massacre of the uh, Norton Hutton Indians. They all got drunk one night and came down into Lee Heighton and massacred a, a whole bunch of people. There's a plot in the cemetery to it. That's that's all I remember. 
<laughs> and that's not that's not too far away from Jim Thorpe and uh, and uh, all miles. miles. Yeah, and I used to go whitewater rafting up there. A, my kid brother was a high school band director at, at Jim Thorpe. Uh, his whole career, uh, he's retired now, but he wow. was a great Daryl. Well, he's he's really well loved in that area. Uh, hosted a lot of TV specials and anything that was done in that. that he plays all kinds of instruments and very active in the music world and, and teaching and yeah, great, great guy. Awesome. I just, the, the connection there was, uh, was something very cool. And I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, in fact, in fact, a few years ago, it was before the COVID, uh, my jazz trio, the organ trio, uh, the Denny Silo trio was asked to appear. We appeared at Beetle Fest in New York and we played the, uh, Oh, what's that other club? Um, uh, uh, we played a couple of clubs in New York, uh, the Cutting Room and uh, Iridium. And oh, while okay. we were in New York, uh, I set up a concert at the Opera House in Jim Thorpe, which ah. is the mock wow. Opera House, a very historic old place. It was on the jazz circuit. And uh, we broke all records. Uh, over 300 people showed up for the concert, and it was uh, Full of uh, my senior class from Lehigh and High, <laughs> kids. Oh, wow. You know, even a girl that I was uh, engaged to at the time showed up. She said, "Do you remember me?" I says, "Yeah, I remember you. Dumped me." <laughs> <laughs> and she twirled her hair and said, "What are you doing now?" <laughs> <laughs> my wife was sitting right alongside me. <laughs> Oh, that's was, awesome! You, you, you've been you've been to buy a CD and get an autograph. You know, <laughs> was, you, you've been fun. married for quite a while, no? Fifty-five years. Wow! wow. Cheers! Cheers! Yeah, it's awesome. I think she gets the applause, not me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say uh, drummers can't stay married. Well, God bless him. Charlie Watts was married fifty-seven years when he passed. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Keltner, the great drummer Jimmy Keltner, is married 59. In fact, next month is his, is their 60th anniversary. Wow. Holy yeah, cow. So. Holy cow. Wow, that's uh that's fantastic. Well, behind every every good man's a, a, is a good woman. Make the bass player pack up the uh equipment, but the drummers can stay married. Uh that's wonderful. <laughs> my wife can my wife can set me up and tear me down too. <laughs> In a lot of different ways. <laughs> is she, is she she in my straight man. <laughs> uh, that's great well, I had to bring that up that's good well I mean we here at material issues many times we uh you know we go back and and, and, and find out what ha how you how you got into being who you are early on but we also like to cover some of the later things uh, that's happening right now before we run out of time but ram on with Fernando yeah. Perdomo. What a fantastic, what a fantastic piece of work that whole, that whole CD is. It, it really stayed faithful to the original, but with all different voices. And yeah, it was, it, it's great. Yeah. All, that, all was my that was my contribution to, uh, to make sure that it captured the spirit of the original record. And uh, so I'm labeled producer, but I was just, uh, you know. I was just there, but of course, I gave them all the drum parts. Uh, I redid all of the drum parts that were on the original, so uh, it had a more than an air of authenticity just from having that. And then we got, you know, we got 
Spinoza to put his original part that he played with the original guitar on on another day and we got uh um who else oh oh and and i got uh marvin stan to put the trumpet the pick the the trumpet solo on uh uncle albert you know so we had a couple of the original guys and a few guests of friends of mine davy johnstone was on a track and and a dear friend of mine joey santiago from the pixies on a track we just asked a few people but what i didn't know was fernando uh, he invited me up to his studio. He had a garage studio. Uh, very, I mean, it did the job. It, you know, it might not have been a fancy, pretty Hollywood studio, but boy, did it do the job and he knew how to work it. But he invited me up to, to just play on a couple of tracks that he'd done just for the hell of it. He did Some People Never Know and mm -hmm. Too Many People. So then right. he put the track down and he just put a, a drum track, a guide track down that he played himself, I think. And he said, would you, would you consider coming up and putting the original, you know, having the original drummer on these tracks would really be nice. And I said, well, well okay. So uh, I went up just to check it out and I heard the track and he it was brilliant. I mean, the, the attention to detail and everything that he did, this is during COVID too. This is during the pandemic. It was just he and I together in this in this garage studio, and he was so quick at the at the key at the at the controls with with uh, with uh, Pro Tools and everything. He just made we I was out in ten minutes, I, mm. like maybe two passes at each song, and that was it. He had it, you know, and so that was kind of the audition. Then sometime later, four, five, six months later, he calls me up and he said, "Do you know that?" Ram is celebrating its 50th anniversary. I said, what? I had no <laughs> idea that it was 50 years old. And he said, well, you know, my generation, he's like in the 40s, you know. And uh, he said, there's people in my generation and other younger generations that just think that Ram is probably the age. And they want to pay tribute, but would you consider you know, let's start working, pulling guys in and, and girls, of course, but pulling the right people in and just make a remake of the whole album. I went, hmm, I don't know about this. This is a masterpiece that my career is kind of uh, connected to this album quite significantly. And uh, sure. so I said, give me a little chance to think about it. And the first thing I did was I, I get a hold of McCartney, you know, I said, Paul, you know, we want to do this and there's a lot of people want to chime in and say that this is their favorite record from younger generations and and they would like to make a tribute to it i said how do you feel about that and he said i think it's a great idea have at it that's all i needed so i said okay fernando we just got the go ahead from paul and i asked him to text me so i could show it to um paul texted me so he we got his written <laughs> approval on the damn thing and and we started in and uh, i think i was up to fernando's studio three times to put lay drums down some of the tracks like uncle albert backseat of my car you can't just do to a click track in fact you can't do hardly anything to a click track what we would do would we if it was a simpler track like smile away or or Dear Boy, or one of the other tracks, uh, we would just use the click track to identify the tempo and then turn it off. Okay. So uh, uh. 
I, and a couple of the tracks like Uncle Albert and some of them, uh, Backseat of My Car, um, uh, those tracks, I played along to the CD. Hmm. We just put okay. the CD on another track and I listened in earphones and I, I copied my original drum part. One day I did eight tracks in three hours. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, I do, this music is part of my DNA. I mean, I, my drum clinic always, uh, when I do Beetlefest, I would always be asked to do a Ram drum clinic where I'd, I'd go through most of the tracks on the Ram album and play along to them. So it was all fresh to me. In right. fact, so I my part had to remember things that were going yeah, on. You didn't, I, have to I didn't have to remember. It, it was there. It was embedded in me, you know. So yeah. when, when you give it the right, uh, I'm pl playing along with the CD. That's the real deal. So, you know, I, I was giving it the the gold right there. Then Fernando so brilliantly called in the right people and he'd get the track sounding really good and he'd send it to me. He said, okay, here I got A, B, C, D. I got four different people singing on this. Which one should we use? And then we had to break some hearts, but there was some that were better than the other, you know. And uh, there was a couple times that uh, one of the guys just, I said, well, I don't even want to listen anymore. Nobody can do a better job than that. That's it. And um, I was very, very pleased with it. And of course, as soon as we got it done and wrapped up, I sent it to Paul. For, I wanted to get his blessing again. He thought it was great. And uh, Fernando had a, uh, he'd, he'd done some work with uh, Cherry Red Records in, in the UK, contacted right. them. We had a meeting over it and they, they heard what we were doing. And, uh, they released it, and it did very, very well the first month. They didn't allow any um, downloads. Right, so if you right. wanted to hear the music, you had to buy the physical CD. And I, I I'm it, totally with that, by the way. Yeah. For my music yeah. festival, we, 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 put out, we put out a compilation each year, and uh, there are no downloads. You have to buy it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I've been to yeah. – I, I, I live – I live near uh, Fernando's old studio, so I've been there a few times as well. It's amazing how much okay. he's able to get out of that. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, he, he's, I, a, he's a genius to put it together, and a, a brilliant musician too. Yeah. So, so you had quite a lot of say uh, on the vocals uh, for for the tracks as well. He consulted you as to what, uh, which you know, which artist was going to work best which is uh which is kind of cool that he uh that he brought you in on that because uh it's hard to imagine when you listen to that thing as many times as i have uh it's hard for me to imagine anybody else doing those songs vocally as good as they were done you know by somebody else so uh yeah. denny on the in the original yeah. on the original yeah. album uh what was the process what was the process of recording when did you usually uh add your drum track how much had been done already? Oh on no! The right at the beginning, Paul would walk in. Paul hired us for six weeks, Monday through Friday, bankers out nine to six. You know, and he said, "I want to book you for this time. Please don't take any sessions. Let's let's get this thing going." And so he would come to this Fifty Second Street CBS, and really nice room. And he would just come in with his wife, with Linda, and the kids. 
Linda would start making tea and set up the control room to keep the kids occupied. And we would, uh, incidentally, I'll just tell you a quick story here. Between the time that I met Paul and did the audition for him, and the day that we started recording at C-52nd, uh, my friend Frank Alito from the Pro Dorm Shop in New York said, the Museum of Famous People in New York is going out of business at auction. They have the Beatles set from Shea Stadium. And wow. would you like to buy it? I said, well, sure. In there, but up to. And he says, I'm and I want air drum, but if I get it, We lost you there a second, Daddy. Let's get back to the uh, Shea Stadium in a second. Hold on. I think it's sideways now, no? Yeah. Testing one, two. Let's get, get Denny back to the stream. Can you hear us, Denny? All of a sudden, we just lost, uh, we lost audio. Denny testing one, two. Also, I'm seeing them sideways right now. Yeah, I don't know why. All of a sudden, it just went uh, it went south on us. Uh-huh. There uh, some technical difficulties. We'll get it back. Oh, yeah. No, get the mic off. Okay. Not hearing. Yeah, Denny, we lost your, we lost your audio for some reason. And we saw, we see you sideways. I don't know what's going on there. Um, we apologize. But, um, Denny, maybe uh, maybe try logging off and coming back in uh, on, the, on the same link and see if it resets. We'll be here. Yeah, we apologize to everyone. Um, I don't know why it's happening. Technology's still not perfect. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's just a little sideways. I, I don't know. Can, Denny, can you hear us with a thumbs up at all? There he goes. Let's see I, I was seeing everything choppy up until that point also. I don't know if you were. A little bit. Not not a whole lot. But uh, we'll see if he comes back on. Um, try to reset it here. Yeah, all I heard was Shea Stadium by drums. Yeah, I heard Shea Stadium and my ears perked up. Uh, but it looks like he looks like he's trying to log back off and log back on. Yeah. And it might re that might just reset things. But anyhow, Denny's a very cool guy. A lot of good stories here. He comes back. Let's see if we got him. There he is. All right. Oh, great. There we are. We now we hear you now. <laughs> Okay, so we heard Shea Stadium and everybody perked right, up. So, I, I my buddy, guess what? I got beat. So, I'm going to keep the snare drum. You have the uh, the two tom toms and the bass drum. It had the Beatles head on it. So, I said, Oh, fantastic. How much? How many thousands? He said, No, 300 bucks. I went, What? Whoa. I ran down to his store. I gave him the $300. And the next day or two days later, I was in the studio with Paul. So he walks in and he says, are those your drums? I said, yeah, he does a double take because he sees the Beatles 
head and everything. I told him the story, he had a good laugh, and we started working. But to get to your question, she would show up. It was me, Dave Spinoza, originally on guitar, and Paul. Paul would walk in, and he would play, play us the song. Mark, are you hearing? No, it just froze on me. Darn. Yeah. I don't know. It just must be an internet thing going on right now because we've never experienced uh, this kind of a... Only with me, not with any guests. Yeah, no, it's just uh, it's just got to be some closest to his router either. That could be another issue. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it looks like I'm on now. Are you hearing me? Yeah, we yeah, hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, again, it could be a StreamYard problem, as we talked about. It just doesn't. Uh, it's not holding. It's not holding the flow for some reason. Are you tonight. are you are you close to your router, Denny? Hey, listen, I've done enough tech stuff that I know nothing about already today. Yeah, I, I know, just hope uh, I didn't screw up my, 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 I'm not doing any more. Uh, I'm sure yeah. you should use Zoom. Zoom works. I'm on Zoom every day, all day, and there's no problems ever with that. Anyway, yeah, we're, let's get back to that. But the, the way we did Ram was Paul would come in and play us the song, and we would learn our part in the next couple hours. And in, the, in a couple hours after learning what we wanted to play, we'd go for a good take, which didn't take long at all. We'd come, Sometimes we'd have a lunch break and come back and he'd call the end of the day. But we never spent more than one day on a song. And one day consisted of like five, six hours. And that's all. That, and that, that most of those songs, even songs like Uncle Albert and Backseat of My Car, were done in one long take, not in three short segments and spliced together. Wow. It was quite an amazing and Spinoza and I, when, whenever we heard the new song, we thought, "Wow, this is uh, this is incredible. We're going to uh, this. We better do a good job here. This music is going to be around for many, many years." So, well, quite obviously, I mean, Spinoza. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to well, say, quite obviously, a lot of uh, you're you're such a talented drummer, and you've got a lot, you know, a lot of background coming into there. So a song like. Uh, uh, Uncle Albert, which drum wise kind of goes all over the place. It's not, you know, it's not your standard, uh, it's not your standard, standard Ringo track, so to speak. Um, yeah. That that's the only that, time that is the only song where Paul asked me, he, I was playing a, a very basic part and he said, can you find a part that would go along with a mo vocal more that would break up the vocal? I went, mm, let me think about it. So I tried a couple of things and then boom, Check, but a boom, boom, check. He says, brilliant. And that, that was the only time he told me what to play. It was a, a the palette, the slate was wide open. Do whatever you want. Wow. If, and he usually liked every bit of it. If, if you went, eh, I would try something a little different. But, but uh, for the most part, he got what he paid for, you know. So you didn't find Paul in those, in those years as really controlling as so many people uh, no. would say, no, you know, none of that. Do you remember, do you remember Billy Preston walking into the, into the, yes, we uh, just saw that on documentary. Get yeah. 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 Well, it's the same thing. 
when we when Paul walked into the studio in New York, he was walking in with two pro, and he just yeah he let us have our our way. I mean, and it was the reason why we did so much work in so little time. That was the way we did it. And with us, I mean, he said nine to six, but pretty soon we'd see that he was letting us go at four o'clock in the afternoon. So Spinoza started taking some jeans, you know, because <laughs> you can make a lot of money off an hour, you know. In New York and, City, the studio, yeah. We, so, uh, listen, so, Paul said, this guy's really good, but I asked him not to take any other work. And uh, <laughs> I wanted to buy his time, and he's kind of leaving early when I... The other day, I wanted to finish something, and he said, I have to leave. And said, can you recommend another guitar player? And that's when I suggested that he look at Hugh McCracken. And ah. Hugh was brought in, and um, Paul fell, fell in love with Hugh. And so it's history. Ah. If uh, I fell in love with Hugh, never mind. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I... I know that I know that the story has has been well told, but how how was it that I mean you were doing a lot of session work mainly in jazz at that time, but how was it that Paul ended up choosing you over so so many other people he could have chosen? Well, it wasn't that I was doing mainly jazz either. Uh, I was making records with John Denver, uh, all kinds of people, but. The first jazz record I made was J.J. Johnson and Kai Winding. Then I did a record with Astrid Gilberto and um, a couple of Brazilian guys. But I, uh, I was making rock records at the time, too. I was signed to a label, and there was a David Brown. Was that his name? Uh, I can't even remember some of the names of these acts that I recorded with. There, some of them made it. Some of them didn't. Jeremiah was one of them. But anyway, I think when Paul called me in for the audition, I wasn't flabbergasted that I was meeting a, a Beatle. I was kind of used to working with some well-known people. And I said, hey, you're Paul McCartney, you know, down in his dingy basement. You're Paul McCartney. He goes, yeah. I said, what's up, dude? <laughs> I call him dude. And I said, what's up? And he said, making a record in New York, and we, I want to look at some drummers. Do you mind playing for me? And I said, I don't mind. You got a guitar or a bass? Come on, let's play together. He said, no, just you. So I said, oh, okay, I guess if you can't get it on by yourself, you can't get it on with anybody else. And he kind of <laughs> liked that. So I said, what do you want to hear? He said, play some. I just went right into my Ringo bag, you know. I just went slamming on the toms and playing some shuffles, some rock beats for him. And, and we had a laugh. We had a good time. And uh, it was only there 10, 15 minutes and, you know, we had a nice time, and uh, he said, that's all I need. Thanks. And I went, thank you. And I said, I just walked out of the studio thinking, wow, I just Paul McCartney, and I'm not going to get this gig, that's for sure. Then three days later, or some, some three, four days, uh, I called from him. He goes, hello, this is Paul. I said, who? He says, me, Paul. You know, <laughs> the guy you auditioned for the other day. Oh, that guy, that Paul, yeah. So we always had fun together, you know. I kept it light, and um, I want to hire you. This record, when I said, uh, "Just a, let me check my schedule, see if I'm available," and I threw everything <laughs> in the air, jumped up the air, and everything. I'm, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. So uh, 
and and the beginning um, you know today still close for hear me uh-oh that we just we just i don't know why it goes sideways it goes sideways and then we lose everything that's weird i don't know i apologize uh denny i i don't know why why it does everyone watching yeah i think uh it goes in and out i might have to yeah i don't know i am so sorry denny why it does this i have no clue i wish it didn't happen I think he might be trying to reboot again or come in. Yeah, for anybody who, for anybody who's who's watching for the first time, this this isn't the usual situation, so we don't know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, Danny, I we can't hear you, buddy. I wish we could. Yeah, yeah, your mic is off. Now it's on. Say something. No. No. For whatever reason, it's just it's just not working tonight the first time ever. Son of a gun. This is me. Excuse my French, everybody, but it's not something that makes me, that makes me happy, and I have no idea because I'm looking at signal strength, and the signal strength is weird. It's unstable, and I oh, don't... So there is- so it is a StreamYard thing is what you're saying. Yeah, it's a StreamYard. It's a StreamYard problem. We got to we got to think about maybe, like you said, Zoom platform is is, is a better platform. We can't go live. Then we can't go live to Facebook yeah. and YouTube. So that's not such a good thing. Well, Denny, I mean, probably just a te- it's probably just a temporary glitch. Yeah, it's one of those things. I you know we apologize, Denny, and you know why don't we why don't we see if we can reschedule? Yeah, and do something. If, different. I mean, Denny, we don't want to inconvenience you, of course, but we want you back. We have so yeah. many more questions. Can you hear us, Denny? Great guest. Can you hear us? Yeah. And we I, we just can't hear you for whatever reason. And we apologize for this. It's not something that's normal. It's never happened before. And I'm not really sure how to fix it. But I don't want to keep you hanging on and frustrated because it is frustrating. And you have better things to do with your time. So um, it we'll, may be an iPad thing also because... Um, the older iPads don't work with this format. Yeah. I mean, I when, when we started this, I was using my iPad and it did not work. But, but uh, Denny, if you can hear us, God bless you. Thank you for being here for as long as we have had you. Maybe we can get you on in the future. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out and we'll hopefully work something out that's more convenient. Maybe we will do that episode on Zoom. Yeah. And we'll yeah. just archive it. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. We don't want to keep you frustrated because your time's important and we do appreciate it. Yes. We will talk to you soon. Thank, thank you. you very much, Denny. Be well. Thank you. Oh, well, that's a shame. I don't, yeah, I don't, I have, I have no answers. Uh, StreamYard is StreamYard and for whatever reason, it just wasn't flowing with any of us. To, I mean, you know, with any of us, Denny was, the connection was not good. You and I connection was not good. Everything was jumpy. We apologize to the people watching. Um, Denny's such a great guest, but yeah, when he's telling some amazing stories, when the internet goes wonky on us, we end up, you know, sitting here wondering what to do. And there's not a whole lot we can do if 
if StreamYard itself, their platform is not working right. So uh, we do apologize. We did get a couple stories in from Denny. We did talk about um, Ram on the great tribute that he did with Fernando Perdomo and so many other great artists. So uh, DennySewell.com as we as we posted up there for all things uh, Denny. So please check it out. Um, it's great but, that he. It's great that he said that. At least I think he said this. This is when it was getting choppy for me. But he seemed to say that people had had gained a newfound appreciation for Ram. That that they were that a lot of people were saying it was their favorite McCartney album, and it's right. always been mine. Uh, ever since, well, I didn't I didn't know it when it came out, but when I started listening to McCartney albums in '75. Um, so uh, everything up through Band on the Run had been out at that point. Ram was easily my favorite. I mean, I love Band on the Run, and I really right. love Wildlife also. It's uh, that's one that uh, has its critics, so let's say. But I love the charm of it, and some of the melodies on that album are great. And Red Rose Speedway, somewhat inconsistent, but its high points like Get on the Right Thing, uh, which I think is one of McCartney's best songs ever. It's high points are as good as anything on any other record. Right, uh, and those are the ones that Denny played on. Um, and, you know, his drumming is certainly part of that, no doubt about it. Um, well, one thing we, we, we didn't, you know, obviously we would have gotten to some more things about him. Um, you know, his, his jazz work is incredible. If you've ever heard his uh, uh, Denny uh, Sywell trio, Boomerang, which is a great, jazz album he does a uh, a cover of live and let die on there that just sends shivers up your spine it's so really? good yeah it's uh, it stays true to live and let die the, the track but it, it 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 takes it back takes it back a little bit and mellows it out and goes in some other directions but it's still live, live and let die it's wonderful um Thank you, George. Wildlife was a great album. Is yeah, I'm glad you think so because, <laughs> because not everybody does. Uh, yeah, but there's there was there was a half speed master done recently um, of Wildlife, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, uh, oh. just as the Ram half speed master from 2021 did. So he's got me. He's got obviously he's an extremely talented uh, drummer in 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 all genres. Uh, um, and I, and I wish we could have gotten to a, a number of things to talk to him about that. But, you know, he's recorded with a lot of people. And as you said, he probably forgets more than he can remember of bands that did not make it for as much session work as he's done. But, I mean, right there, McCartney, Billy Joel, Liza Minnelli. John you know, Denver. Denver. I wanted to ask him how John was. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he's quite, he, he's got quite the history. Um, so I, I, I'm really uh, upset that what, for whatever reason, our connection couldn't, couldn't be what it is, but it's funny. Rhea, right now you and I are as clear. And yeah, smooth actually that's possible. true. I, I haven't, uh, you yeah. haven't been choppy since, since uh, Denny left. So it may have had something to do with his presence also, uh, whatever it was may have been messing things up. I, I yeah. really can't really say it. I don't want to. I don't want to say it was definitely his you know, iPad. Well, I mean, even if it is, it's not his fault. Not his fault. But I hate I hate to frustrate a guy like him because I know his time is valuable. And uh, no, of course, um, you know, we're, we're we'll glad. get him back on, and we'll you know we'll do that one. You know, if we need to, we'll do that one via Zoom, and uh, we'll just archive it. People can watch it later. 
Oh, Schoolhouse Rock, really? He was on that? I did not know that. And he was, he did the drumming on the Grease 2 soundtrack, uh, which is one of my daughter's favorite movies. Grease 2, really? Yeah, Grease 2. Does she like it better than, the, than yes. Grease 1? She likes it better than Grease 1. I can't figure that out. But she must have an Adrian Zmed thing. <laughs> That's got to be it. Well, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, I know. I know. She, I'll take, I mean, Olivia. All right. Olivia's There's a, probably Olivia or Michelle. No, Olivia's prettier, but Michelle is hotter. Okay. All right. You know what I mean. I, I know, but, you know, uh, it, it'd be tough if they were side by side in the leather pants, which one, you know, <laughs> if you had, That's true. You had a choice. <laughs> I, mean, I have to say about Greece, it really taught a, an awful lesson to women. <laughs> Basically, if, if you want to get the guy, you better be a slut because. <laughs> Get that out of your mouth. <laughs> get, get get grease out your fucking mouth. That's right. And, and oh, Olivia in it. Oh boy, now I'm gonna get in trouble. Oh, I'm glad we can little smile a little bit right now. Uh, <laughs> oh Lord. Oh well, material issues. It's not like we don't have issues. Everybody's got issues. So you know, we have them too. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Um. <laughs> Maybe may, let me let's spend the time if you don't mind, Mark. Yeah. I'll I'll talk about some new some records that I've heard recently that I will be reviewing that I think people need to know about. Um, one of them, right here, is by a gentleman called M. Ross Perkins. And M. this album is called E Pluribus M. Ross. This, I think this is his second record. I, there may be more. But, you know, you want to talk about McCartney. There's definitely some McCartney influences. Probably Nilsson is the strongest influence because his voice is very, very Harry-like. And, yeah, the melodies are there, are there also. They're really gorgeous. I was... Uh, you look at the guy and he doesn't look like a pop guy per se, but he very much is one. I'm trying to remember if this album's actually out yet or if it's going to come out next week but definitely make a note about it uh you pop people it, it is well worth the price of admission and there's a there's a good question for you there's a question for you okay does does the album or cd artwork if you've never heard of somebody like that does that influence you at all before you hear the music oh no doubt it does in my case if i see it if I see a cover that looks kind of psychedelic, uh, or or the, the, the you know the people have certain types of faces, haircuts. Um, well, and you take yes. the one the CD you just held up. You know what would have been your first reaction to that album cover coming from a power pop, you know, pop rock loving. Uh, yeah, person I just pop rock because I you know I don't just love power pop. No, no. Uh, pop, but no. my my. My feeling would have been that he's probably some indie rock guy who can't sing that well, and uh, you know maybe the melodies aren't quite there. But you know, if somebody, of course, if somebody said, "No, no, you really got to try it," I would. Right. Right. But you know, one of the things that I'll never forget the first time I saw the the cover of uh, Black Vinyl Shoes, mm -hmm. I looked at those guys and I thought, "Okay, I'm taking a chance on this." Um, because they really look, they really look great. 
Um, but I wasn't that enthused. Uh, I, uh, I waited a little bit. And then on my way to a class at, uh, at New York University, WNEW-FM played Do You Want to Get Lucky, which was, on, which was on that. And I remember hearing and saying, you better tell me who this is. Uh, because sometimes, NEW wasn't guilty of that too often, but sometimes even, even underground FM stations would occasionally not back announce stuff. Right, right. I didn't yeah. know the word back announced back then, so I'd say, tell me who played it, you bastards. <laughs> and um, at first, I actually thought it was maybe Lindsey Buckingham, because right. Jeff Murphy's voice is similar to Buckingham's on that, uh, right. although the production was certainly way more lo-fi than any Fleetwood Mac album. Well, as it turned out, it was Shoes, and I thought, I'm, I said, after my class, I'm racing out to Brooklyn to... Uh, to zigzag records where i saw a copy of that and, and i'm buying it and, but yeah they I, used, so I used to hate i used to hate like you hear something and you want to know who it is but they would play six more songs and you have to wait through it all then they go hey we started that set off with and it go all the way back to five or six songs so you were you were listening for that's how they got you you listen for half an hour trying to hear who that first song was because they didn't you know they didn't say anything for for many songs and that okay. used to by just... the way you're i don't mean to cut you up you're a bit blurry now so maybe you need to read oh, I, I am blurry i've i've had a little too go. much i've had a little too much bourbon in in my teacup no 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 but you're right um that was very very frustrating but my feeling was as long as they say it okay but sometimes they wouldn't there's still a couple of songs in my history that i loved upon hearing and they never back announced yeah. And I had no idea. And, and I'll, I'll, one time, actually, I loved the song so much, I called the station and I asked them, I said, uh, I gave them the time stamp. I said, when, you know, what was that song you played? And they told me the band. And I, I said, and they, asked, I think they gave me that band's contact info. <laughs> I contacted the main guy and I asked him, well, what does what does your music generally sound like? And he said, Oh, it's kind of like Peter Gabriel. And I said, wait a minute, that's not the guy. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded way more like the church, or or it was something very jangly, but also kind of ethereal. I said, uh, but he ended up sending me a cassette, and well, he was right. It did sound like Peter Gabriel, but it wasn't the band. And it's like, it like, damn, I'm never gonna find out what this is. And 35 years later, I still don't know. <laughs> well, I'll tell I'll tell you my funny story of trying to find out. I was at the Kutztown swimming pool in the summer of 1979, laying on my laying on my towel, you know. Uh, and, and they had they had the uh, the radio station WZZO out of uh, Allentown, PA, was playing, and on came "Girl of My Dreams." All right. Now, listening for the back announcement, when they did back announce it, they said, that's Girl of My Dreams by Bram Tchaikovsky. I didn't, I didn't understand what the heck they were saying with Bram Tchaikovsky. I was like going to the record store saying, there's something about Bam Chakamaxi or something. I don't, it was a great <laughs> song. It's something about girls and dreaming. And the record, the guy at the record store looked at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, because. Yeah, how often say the name too fast, and if it's a difficult name to begin with, I know Bram Tchaikovsky. No, the shoes I could remember. Bram Tchaikovsky, I couldn't, right. even, I couldn't even pronounce that word. So it took me weeks until I finally heard it again on ZZO because it wasn't. I mean, it was a moderate hit, but you didn't hear it all the time. It but wasn't like you did. 
And that time, and that time, he said it clearly enough. Yeah. Where he that, that time, I heard it, so I went down to the record shop, and I was like, "It's it, it's Tchaikovsky, Girl of My Dreams," and they he was able to look it up and order the record for me. That's that's how I got that record. But uh, unlike like my Sharona, which was on every seven minutes, well, yeah, on anything, Bram like I loved that song so much when I heard it, but I couldn't find it for weeks. It drove me insane. I so think, that's my yeah. I have a similar experience with "Bop Girl" by Pat Wilson. Uh -huh. remember, yeah. remember that song? Yeah. No, K Rock out here used to play it reasonably regularly, not not in heavy rotation, but you'd hear it like once every few days. And I remember hearing it like three different times where they didn't back announce it, and I just went, I, I just went nuts. I, I mean, I should have called them actually. It took about a month before I found out. <laughs> before they finally said who, who it was. And then I had to go find the record, which wasn't easy at that time either. Because it, oh, it, it was Yeah. And I they used to do a thing on, it was like Friday nights, I think, called Rock Over London, where they had all like the, the new wave and, and some of that kind of stuff. And there were songs like, like uh, Swallow It from Fad Gadget, you know, which... <laughs> When I'm, I'm listening there and I'm trying to write down what the heck I'm hearing and then they, they would back announce. I mean, how do you even, when they're pronouncing fad gadget, like, I mean, you know, you, you, is that one word? Is that yeah, one word? Yeah, how are you going to get that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they go to the record shop at Record Revolution in Reading at the time and, and try to say, this is what I'm looking for. It's called Swallow It, <laughs> you know, by Fatima Duppets or something, you know. Uh, it's just impossible. Um, oh, great memories, though. Jesus. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was another K-Rock thing. They they played a song called uh, Honolulu by Richard Bone, this New York kind of experimental guy, but this was really poppy. And right. I tried to call, that time I did call K-Rock, and I said, did you play a song some, called something like Down in Honolulu? And <laughs> the, the, DJ, the DJ hung, uh, she made some joke about Maui and hung up on me. <laughs> and it took me about three years to find out what that song was, but, if, you know, but, but I, I did. The younger generation, you know, pre don't doesn't understand the struggles that we had pre-internet and not being able to you know, search for stuff and look it up. I mean, my gosh. Um, yeah, they just, can't conceive of the world we lived in. Just as we had a difficult time conceiving of the world our our parents and grandparents lived in, they they have they have no idea when you talk about pre-cell phone, pre-internet, pre-anything, you know. It was, it's, I talked to somebody, I just did the South Jersey basketball all-star game. I did the public address announcing and everything for it on Sunday. Um, and there were some, let's just say younger generation people talking about certain music and they were saying, you know, but the station plays so much oldies. <laughs> and when they said oldies, they were talking, they said, it's like, it's like everything's from like the nineties, you know? And I just, oh, God, I just sat there, and all of a sudden the wrinkles in my face went like this, and I was like, Jesus Christ, oldies is now, like, really oldies is 90s. No, but if and, you think about it, though, that, I mean, that's really apropos, because when we were kids, you know, let's look at American Graffiti, even. They're, they're talking about where were you in 62. That was freaking 11 years before. That would be like 2011 right Right, now. right. Exactly. And where were you in '62? And they're waxing nostalgic for these songs that, and some of them were from the oh my god, from the '50s. So they were like, 
you know, maybe 15, 16 years old, which would put us where, 2006, 2007? <laughs> those were oldies but goodies. And we're talking about like no more than 15 years ago. And now you talk about the young kids saying 90s are oldies. I mean, that's like, you know, 25 to 30 years ago. Those yeah. are, I mean, those are really oldies. I mean, think about in 73, what would be an oldie that was 30 years ago? 1943. Yeah, you'd have to be listening to this. Bing Crosby, it'd be like, yeah, we got them. So they're not wrong. I mean, maybe it, it makes us feel old, but at least these those things are kind of old. I think <laughs> the funny thing was, though, in the 70s, you didn't have radio stations that played oldies right. because it wasn't termed as old. Even, even stuff from the 50s was just rock and roll, and, and you were hearing, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, so nothing was really, to me, nothing was really labeled oldies until in the 80s when they had a station playing 50s. Then they would right. say, this is the oldies from the 50s. Um, but, you know, nowadays, oldies, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you think of, I mean, it's like when we were kids, every year was an adventure. And we remembered almost every day of it. It seemed like a lifetime passed in one year. Yep. So, yeah, a song that was like seven years old to us my god that's you know that's old that's like a lifetime ago and now we're talking about songs from 30 years ago that make us feel old because they seem like yesterday to us that, right yeah I mean, you know we think about songs that that happened way before the 90s and we don't even think of those as oldies uh and then but, you know what i think there's also and you and i you and i have talked about this a lot as far as just the emotional attachment to time and place and songs Yep. You know, when we were growing up and when we heard songs and we went out and we found them on on vinyl and you treasured that and you listened to that, um, I think it's it's a whole lot different with probably the last 20 something years generation, because I don't think they treasure the song and the moment as much as we did because of ownership of it. And, you know, we owned we owned those moments through owning the vinyl or owning the cassette or the eight track. I mean, it was all part of our, our being of our life. Yeah. Of our life. And I don't think music today and people will probably throw things at me for saying this, but I don't think music today means that much to the, the generation or, or to, or to young people today uh, tying into certain events because th they have so much stimulation wise going on besides just music, you know, there's just so much else. No, you know, no, and they, for us, for it's us sensory we had a overload. It's yeah. sensory overload for kids today. It, I'm I'm amazed that they're able to make sense of anything with yeah. all the stuff coming at them. Uh, that's why we and, and in many ways, that's why we think today's kids are so simplistic. Because yeah. the the only way you can make sense of a lot of information coming at you is to simplify everything. Um I think there really is something to that. But having said that. I think it's only fair that, you know, we talk to a, a, a fairly articulate teenager, if we can find one, and ask them, like, what do songs mean to them anymore? Do they associate song, particular songs with, with key moments in their lives, or even non-key moments, even mm -hmm. trivial things that have happened? Is there that association? I mean, we seem to think, no, there isn't. There can't be, because they don't they're not exposed to music. Uh, they don't treat music the way we did. But we don't really know that. We need to. No, have kids. we don't know that. And we Especially, look at it. From, uh, do you, why don't you get 
why don't you get the smartest basketball player at Haddonfield High? Uh, get them to come <laughs> on material issues, and, and we'll ask them. I mean, we need yeah. someone articulate so that they can, you know, they can explain their feelings. Uh, they yeah. can articulate their feelings as well enough to where we get we can tell that yeah, they either yeah they do get music the way we did, or or no they don't. That'd be an interesting show. We should we should yeah, do. We could, uh, a, we could get a dumb kid who might say, "Nah, music means nothing." But but do you think maybe it does? Do you think the statement that um, because if you look at the charts and you look at songs from the '60s and the '70s when we were you know being young and impressionable, they seem to hang around on the charts longer, and then we own them. And they seem to mean more today. It seems like there's more like a flavor of the week. You know, they're they're not into music uh, as long for as long a period of time, a single or a song as we might have been. You know, well, let, uh, me, let me let me uh, interject here. I mean, yeah, that may be. And I have to admit, I have to plead ignorance. I haven't really looked at the charts much in the past few years, so I haven't seen the I haven't seen the patterns of songs rising and falling. But if you think about back in the 60s, especially in the mid-60s, I know this is before our times, but, you know, there was a flavor of the week all the time. And even into the 70s, you know, you would talk, you would have like a kid on a TV show, maybe maybe Gidget or the Brady Bunch or whatever, talking about having like the parents hearing some song uh, out of their kid's, stereo, uh, kid's record player that they hadn't heard. And, and she's saying, oh, that's the grooviest song. And, you know, the father would say, like, what about some other song that he had heard, a, you know, he'd heard a week or two ago that he was squirrely right. sick of? Isn't that your favorite song? Oh, no, that was last week. That, <laughs> if you, and if you look at the charts, especially in the mid-60s, it's very clear that that was going on. You didn't, yeah. have, songs, you didn't have songs at, let's say, at number one for that many weeks. So that kind of stuff did happen back then. Um, yeah. It's you know, it's all more now. I don't know. It's all perspective too. I mean, I uh, you know, uh, it's hard. It's hard to relate to younger generations today and what they listen to because it's not our thing. It's not, it's not our thing. Stuff, and and, so, and, and you know. yeah, this dovetails into a conversation that you and I had. You were uh, you were talking about going down to your daughter's uh, school. Mm -hmm. And seeing all these these beautiful girls, and uh, you were saying, but the you know the guys on campus weren't you know you would be looking back at them as you passed by, and they uh, were, and yeah, you were uh, just to clarify that this was my daughter's college, yeah, and it's farther south, and it's hot weather, and they were as young college age people do, both male and female, dressed very scantily, let's say, and you know. In our day, when we were young, it'd be like what well, somebody wore that. We'd be like, "Holy cow, you know what is that? Why?" Yeah. You know, but nowadays, we talked about the fact that. It yeah, I didn't want to make this lascivious. It's not. And listen, <laughs> it's natural. It's natural for even guys in their sixties to look at, at 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 young women. I mean, we're just looking. Not, yeah. You know, we're not hitting on them or anything like that. But and, and anyway, my point wasn't gonna really didn't have much to do with that as much as it does to do with the fact that as I think as we get older, we find more beauty in more people. 
mm-hmm. I think I think the reason those guys weren't looking is they didn't find these girls as attractive as as you did, or yeah. as I would if I had been there. Because I'm I look at pictures of not just men but pictures of women. I mean, not just women. I mean, but pictures of men. Oh, that was a Freudian slip. Uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> I see a great percentage of people who I find attractive, a much bigger percentage than I saw back then, of all ages, including right. including people, even people in their early 70s, let's say. Yeah. Now, I mean, granted, people are in better shape. And yeah. no, I mean, no way did my 65-year-old grandmother look like 60-year-old women, right. 65-year-old women now. So we're not on we're not on an equal playing field. But I do think that as we get older, I don't know if we get less discriminating or just more appreciative of of different looks than people who are younger are. So it's sometimes I like to think it's as we get older and as you see, you know, um, there's there's a whole lot less time ahead of you than there is behind you. You start to appreciate many things. Many things. You, you know. No, no, no doubt. I was just using the people as an example. Just like, just like you were telling me earlier how, you know, how much you loved watching that show Minx on HBO. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, it was okay for me, but you were just raving about it. And uh... Well, I, I was, I'm raving, I'm, I'm raving, I mean, I like the show a lot. And as, as I'm teasing you guys. I'm just having a good time. No, no, fine. Uh, <laughs> as does uh, as does my wife Rena, and yeah. I was raving more about the genius of a show, of a period piece like that that has. Well, let me let me explain the background, and then we probably have to sign sure. off anyway. Yeah. So time really flies when it's just you and me. Yeah, um, anyway, the show, the premise of the show is a feminist, a young feminist, probably in her twenties, wants to start a, a magazine on feminism and she doesn't find any takers except for a guy who's a bit on the sleazy side who's publishing a nudie magazine and they they put their heads together and they come up and he says you know what you'll get you why don't you here's how you're going to revolutionize uh, w- w- women's rights and power why don't you do why don't we do a men's magazine for women where you can talk about feminism but they show naked males which is also you know empowering and she agreed and so yeah. the show the show is about that uh, it's about the adventures and misadventures that a magazine like that would ha- and the people around it would have but i found the genius in the fact that you know the the men uh, you know men get the lascivious side of things and there are naked women in there too sure uh, yeah. and uh, the women get the feminism side of things Rena appreciated that side and I appreciated the, the you know the the, the soft the, the hard white underbelly mm. of, of of pornography uh, so <laughs> so I yeah I mean I don't think I, I'm I don't know that the show will ever become a huge favorite of mine but I enjoy it as does she. Yeah. But I enjoy the genius of it, maybe right. even more. Yeah, um, no, it's uh, it's one of those shows that I hope for. However, if it's on for two or three seasons, that they're strong seasons, and and they, you know, they 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 complete, you know, however many episodes it may be in a strong way. You hate to see it just 
just kind of fizzle after 10, 10 episodes. No, also, okay, yeah, now a similar just, one, a similar one that should have gone more than one season is Good Girls Revolt. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That was a, yeah, great show. Was yeah. Great, great show. Uh, and show. they were very accurate about just about everything. Yep. And yep. uh and, and it, it had critical acclaim and it had a really strong cult following, but not enough people. Well, you it's know, interesting, and I was talking. I had I told you I had lunch with my daughter today, my my twenty seven year old daughter. But uh, I was talking to her about this this show, and because she's a writer, and I said this you know this woman who wanted to publish you know uh, feminism based articles and empowering women, but back in that day, you know that just wasn't going to fly with any publisher, and she went down this road. And with a, 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 a women's magazine that featured naked men to draw the women in, in order to be able to publish articles and things right. that might that might tune the head up. And my daughter was absolutely fascinated with it. And then she, of course, she asked the question, well, is that based on a, a true story, Dad? Was there ever a magazine like that? I said, oh, no, yeah, there, there was, there was magazines with naked men in it, you know, which is not, which is not in her, which is not in her purview, right, you know. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, I mean, I guess Playgirl was the first one to be Playgirl. Known. Yeah. I, that was the first one I'd ever heard of. Right. Yeah. And I remember the Cosmo, the Cosmo edition they showed in there with the Burt Reynolds centerfold. You know, right. uh, that was that was pretty. Oh yeah, uh, they showed that on Minx. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good show. I will not I will not forgive them for for having the protagonist sing "I Am Woman" in what was supposed to be 1971. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I, look, I understand it's a fem it is the all-time feminist anthem. Great. Right. But, you know, if you're trying to be time accurate, I'm not going to forgive a, a year lapse, a few months. All right, fine. A whole year, maybe even more than a year. Um, I think yeah. it be earlier in 71 because she's having fantasies about winning the yep. Pulitzer in 71, which would have been later in the year. Right. Um, so it's like they're over a year off with that. It's like, come on. But, <laughs> but beyond that, it's uh, it, it's really, really a good show. I recommend it. It's on, uh, what is it on? Pro, is it, HBO is it on? Max. HBO Max. Okay. HBO Max. So, yeah. many, so, so HBO Max, you know, if you want to sponsor material issues, we're, we're, we're promoting uh, – some of your stuff right now, so any of the producers are watching. I'll be like, happy to, yeah, I'll be happy to char, uh, to uh, to promote um, Flight Attendant with Kaylee Cuoco. Really good show. Good show. Um, yeah, good show. And, yeah. Yeah, and and the 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 series winning winning season about the Lakers. Yeah, the that's Eagles. been very good. Been watching that one, I've been watching that one. It, you know, it's kind of yeah. I mean, I. I I get it because I, I'm close to high school basketball and stars and things and what they go through, you know, to uh, to make it in big time college basketball than to the pros. But it's been eye opening. It was eye opening as far as, uh, you know, just how crazy the whole Jerry Buss thing was in, in developing Showtime, you know. Yeah, uh, and I had no, I had no idea that Jerry West was such an asshole. I mean, because he doesn't, he doesn't come across that way. You know, right. when, you, when you look at him, it's Jerry West. Is you, you think he was as white bread square as they get, and the part, I, I don't know how accurate it is, but you know, it makes him look like a real dick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, as usual, it's probably exaggerated a bit for effect, and this is a Hollywood production after all, but. He couldn't have been that nice a guy behind the scenes. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, geez. Um, but yeah, that's a really good one, also. So HBO Max, uh, yeah, we, we we're with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Power to HBO Max. Any and all, any and all sponsorship offers. <laughs> anyway, we should probably wrap it up. Uh, well, let's talk about what we got coming up, and hopefully uh, StreamYard will be kind to us in, in the future. I'm um, sure it will. It, what do we got going on? It's been kind to us virtually every week. This was yeah. a glitch. It happened. Um, well, the next couple of weeks we have uh, we're going into the world of baseball, and if you're you know if you're a, a music lover who doesn't happen to like baseball, we're not going to get too geeky in here. We're not going to turn you off with a bunch of statistics and things. We're going to talk to these people as baseball being kind of a metaphor for life. And uh, while we will mention specific things, it'll be things that you you know you'll be able to relate to even if you're not a big baseball fan. But anyway, uh, next week, April sixth, we have Cy Young Award winner. Uh, a player who was in the midst of some minor controversies and was a very interesting guy, uh, Jack McDowell, uh, Black Jack McDowell. Uh, the following week on April 13th, we are going to stay with baseball, a gentleman who was a, an outfielder for the Texas Rangers and New York Yankees, was a New York Yankees announcer. Uh, he's a Facebook friend. His posts are always very interesting, really bright guy. We're, we're going to look forward to having Billy Sample. Excellent. On yep. April 13th. Uh, April 20th, we're back to music. We've got the daughter of one of the most iconic singer-songwriters of all time. That would be Carol King. Her daughter was, a, it was and is a great musician in her own right. Has put out many records, including one last year that was real, real good. We're talking Louise Goffin. And I always say the daughter of Carol King, also the daughter of Jerry oh, Goffin. Her song yeah, Jerry Goffin. Yeah, we can't forget him. Um, I mean, she Carol has certainly dwarfed him because she, yeah. you know, she, she made a, a career as a singer, as, as a musician as well. But yeah, I mean, he's he was amazing in his own right as a songwriter, no doubt. And then on the twenty seventh, I you know, I always want to leave this one to you because you you have more enthusiasm. Well, yeah, if we talk about looking at album covers and saying, you know, uh, what do you think about this? Have you ever been influenced buying something or listening to something based on album covers? If you've had this conversation yeah. with this band, you looked at the album covers and you thought, well, this is obviously much more of a uh, of an arena rock uh, type of a thing. And um, this is going to be two of the original members of Artful Dodger, uh, Billy Palaselli and Steve, uh, uh, Steve Cooper. Um, one of them, I, I, a 70s band that I absolutely love, four major label albums. And yeah, sometimes you look at their album covers and you think, eh, okay, you know, but they do have some anthems, but they have a lot of great, very pop rock tunes um, and very regionally big uh, here in the Northeast uh, for all their time. But uh, looking forward to Artful Dodger. And you're, you're totally right because I used to look at their albums and I would say, yeah, this looks too hard rock for me. Yep. So I never, I never did get them, and and then you know later as I got to know people who were fans of theirs, and they would say, no, no, this this has a these albums have a lot of power pop on them. Yep. I, I sampled them, and they were right. So yep. now I own a few of them. So yep. absolutely, looking yeah, look forward to it as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as usual, we have irons in the fire for for May and June and blah blah blah. And once once they come to fruition. We'll certainly be talking about them as well. So make so, sure you subscribe here, you, you join, you let all your friends know, you pass it around, you watch the archives on YouTube, materialissues.com. We got it all here. So we appreciate everybody hanging and watching 
And uh, we apologize for tonight's glitch, but it's just a glitch. We'll be back glitchless. It happens. Look, we didn't slap our guest. No, we did not. We didn't. You know, we're known for not slapping our guests. That's what people have always said about us. But no yeah. doubt that, you know, after what happened at the Oscars, people were watching thinking, are Mark or David going to slap Denny Silo? <laughs> uh, and um, Tune in I, next week. relief, uh, you know, we didn't. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, as always, I've enjoyed it. I hope everybody enjoys hanging out with us here on Material Issues. Stay happy, stay healthy. We'll see you next week, next Wednesday. Same you bat bet. time. Absolutely. Peace God bless. Be well. Good night.